Hi, and welcome to the Life and Balance podcast, where we hold space for each other in a crazy world. We share our ideas on how to find balance in one's life through yoga and all that comes with it. My name is Nicole, and I am here with my dear friend and co-host, the wonderful <laughs> Steph Stanfield. <laughs> Gotta add that. <laughs> and the crowd goes yeah. wild. <laughs> I kind of felt like you were on the verge of having a giggle that entire that entire time. Is that true? <laughs> It was. It was. And I was like, you know, we're just gonna gonna roll with it. I don't and nobody makes me laugh as much as you do. Like and people who know us <laughs> and who have been to our our retreats have seen, have witnessed the I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just it's as soon as you start laughing, I can't I can't stop. And it goes on and on and on. Like it must be like quite tiresome after a while. Like we could probably go on for fifteen minutes just laughing hysterically. For yeah. no reason. Yeah, like I definitely get sore cheeks and sore abs. Yeah. That's like my my core work is when we have a good laughing fit. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But I think it's fun energy because today, this episode is going to be a little bit different, but I'm really excited for it. And we're going to do a little bit of a, a year in review. And I think, well, what a year 2020 was, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, but it's really interesting, I think, to be able to talk about it in a way that maybe highlights some of the good things, highlights some of the lessons, highlights some of the challenges, um, just to kind of put a pretty little bow on the year that was 2020. Who do you knew? Think? I mean, it just, I think <laughs> back to the beginning of 2020, I'm like, how much happened, changed? I mean, it's just... I feel like this year encompasses exactly why we practice yoga and exactly why we do what we do because there's just so much uncertainty and destabilization and people just not knowing which way is up. And that's exactly why we try and find balance amongst, you know, the craziness that is, you know, the world. Yeah, 100%. And I think actually what one of the first questions that I wanted to to dive into um, was actually, do you remember what your thought process was or like what was going through your mind when they kind of first announced the the pandemic, but also the lockdowns? Because I remember hearing about the pandemic kind of in February being like, well, uh, you know, it's probably just like an isolated thing. It's not going to be that bad. But do you remember what kind of crossed your mind when France shut down? I do. And it was so, the beginning of this, of this pandemic was so close to my life in that I work in international tourism. And it went from canceling a few things here and there to all of a sudden, you know, shutting the, shutting it down and being at home. And it went from like, I felt like it went from this sort of pitter pattering of of cancellations and things sort of slowly you know closing down and and slowing down in many ways to all of a sudden it, it being a full-fledged pandemic i feel like it went really fast um it was quite destabilizing i would say at the beginning being in france too like you you were in that lockdown first before before we did over here what was also quite shocking and I think for for any, anybody, if someone who is French or someone like myself who's you know who's from a different country, having to fill out a form 
uh, to leave the house and mm. always kind of be on the lookout if, if you know, a police officer was going to ask you what you're doing and having ID on you, it felt a little bit, um, it felt a little bit scary, I would say, at the beginning, certainly. And it, it kind of feels like yesterday. There was sort of this, there was, there were two, in, in France specifically, there were two confinements and I was, or lockdowns, if you will. And there was a period in the summer where we were able to move around freely and travel and not have to fill out any forms. And it felt, it feels like that entire portion of the program was wiped away when the second lockdown came in. It's like, oh, that didn't even <laughs> actually happen. We've actually been locked down since March. And that's sort of what it feels like now. <laughs> But there was a glimpse of there was a glimpse of hope and movement back in the summer, which yeah. was lovely. Yeah. Speaking of gratitude, never taking any you know travel or free sense of movement for granted ever again. Big time. Yeah, it's funny because for us, my my husband and I, we started the year twenty twenty in New York City. We went to oh, New yes, York for yeah. the ball drop, mm. and it's interesting looking back because what what we're understanding now is that COVID was probably already alive and well. Um, they just didn't necessarily have a name for it or were connecting the dots with, with what was happening. But to go from being in New York City on New Year's Eve and for the first kind of week of the new year where you're around millions and millions of people and, you know, marking this sort of 2020 being what I thought was going to be a big year of travel for me, had lots of retreats lined up, then turning into to what it was. It felt like such a big, big shift, like a really radical, like we started doing one thing and then, you know, we've ended doing something completely different, which is interesting now. Now that I'm kind of like reflecting back on it, I'm like, wow, that's a really cool juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe we wouldn't, wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation on our podcast if the pandemic had not happened. You know, you're probably right. And I remember when we first talked about having a podcast, actually. And I think we sort of were talking about it jokingly, but then we were like, well, wait, should we have a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) And it came up for me because I remember seeing, you know, all these kind of like social media memes going around where it's like, People are in lockdown baking bread and and starting podcasts and doing all these projects to kind of keep themselves busy. But yeah, actually, when we when we decided to like start this podcast with zero plan to to do so and no experience or knowledge about how to really go about doing that, um, it's just been the best one of like the best things for me for twenty twenty for sure. Hands down, it's funny because up until even this past summer, I really didn't listened to podcasts. I knew they existed. I'd heard of a few of them, but I wasn't something that some wasn't something that was part of my life in any sort of way. Um, just to go to go from that to actually having a podcast has been quite a quite a journey. That's for sure. What would you say? You know, to get right down to the nitty gritty, being that twenty twenty was a bit of a wild year. What would you say your biggest challenge has been? Hmm. I think my biggest challenge has probably been patience. Hmm. I think for me, I kept waiting for something to change. 
for the first few months of the pandemic, I kept sort of thinking, okay, like it'll, it won't be this forever. And it, and it's still true that it, we're not going to be like this forever. But I think early on, I, I had a hope that, well, it won't be that long, <laughs> you know, yeah. like just one more month of this and then it'll clear up and just one more month and it'll clear up. And so I think like really being able to sit with the fact that this is something that we are experiencing, not necessarily something that we just have to get through to get to the other side. Mm. Um, and I think that's definitely where like yoga and meditation has helped, especially for me, um, because yeah, it, it actually requires that you be where you are now. And we are in a pandemic now and we are isolating now and we are not doing the things that we had planned to do now. So I think at the start of the pandemic, my biggest challenge was like accepting that and letting go of all of the plans mm. um, that I had for this year and kind of grieving that felt really hard. Um, but there was also something really nice about, I mean, nice is probably not the right word, but there was something comforting about knowing that it wasn't just me. Like we are all kind of grieving so many different things through this time. So that made it feel a little less like lonely, I guess. Mm. But yeah, I think biggest challenge is the patience part. And like how that really related to me was, you know, we we are being quite cautious still. And, you know, not when, when other friends or other family members get together to see each other. Yes, they're still staying socially distant. But yeah, we've, we've decided not to do those kinds of things. So, you know, I get impatient when I'm like, oh, I just want to like go hang out with my parents or I just want to give my sister a hug, like stuff like that, where I'd love to just do that. And again, trying to practice patience of like, okay, I will be able to do that. It's just not something to do right now. So mm-hmm. that's definitely been, been the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? I, my definitely my biggest challenge was definitely not working full time, mm. and for a variety of reasons, you know I think it's lovely in many ways to have time that we don't necessarily have when we work full time. So that has been a blessing in many ways. However, I would sort of equate not working and the challenge that that brought on with losing a sense of purpose and Mm. that brought up a lot of questions because I am a firm believer and I think I mentioned this in our first season when you interviewed me in trying to live my life not attached to um, work I want to say not attached to work. Work is so important. It, it gives us it gives us so much. I don't mean in that way, but I mean in the sense of defining myself by what I do for a living. And in some to some degree, I, I believed I, I did that without even realizing. And then so all of a sudden, I didn't have that anymore, and that was challenging. You know, just having a reason, so to speak, to get up in the morning and do stuff and see people. I found that really challenging. My, my, my day job was very social and was surrounded by a wonderful group of people. And all of a sudden I didn't see those people anymore and I didn't have contact with them. And mm-hmm. I found that it was a very stark contrast between like being extremely social to not being social at all. And I found that challenging as well. And I just love to take care of people 
And I do that a lot in my, in my job. And I felt that lack of, um, that, that lack of presence and therefore why I feel like is my kind of purpose in life. I didn't have that anymore. I didn't have anyone to take care of. I didn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, send that energy outwards. I really didn't have anywhere to send it to. And I found that, I found that quite destabilizing and still do actually. Um, so that would be my biggest challenge for sure. I have since moved to a place where I now put on jeans when I'm at home all day. And I know we've talked about this and had a laugh about it because you, I could literally stay in my yoga pants all day and it wouldn't, no one mm-hmm. would know and see me because I don't have to get dressed to go to work. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it feels really good to be able to do that. But um, I've gotten to a place where it's been long enough that I've, I've put jeans back on. <laughs> that feels good too. Yeah, you've been, you inspired me. It, was, <laughs> it might have been in a podcast episode or in one of our conversations. The lines get blurry between when we have just yeah, a normal exactly. offline conversation and, and when we hit record. But um, yeah, so I, I dedicate my my recording, my podcast recording days typically to to getting dressed in in jeans and mm. a shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause I'm also a homebody and that's actually been really interesting for me too, is I am, I am naturally a homebody. I love to do my own thing and have lots of quiet time and I love being by myself. So um, that felt like that was such a, a nice opportunity for me to just like enjoy that. Mm. Um, and I really, it was actually going to lead me into my next question for you, which was like, was there kind of like a really big realization or like a, your kind of favorite discovery during this, during this year? Favorite discovery about, about myself? Hmm. Well, uh, a cup, I wouldn't say there's any exact, uh, any exact discovery, but I do think that through our conversations and the work that we've done together. And I was luckily um, a participant in your Fearless Heart Method um, this past session, which was incredible. And I discovered my values through working with you. And Mm. I didn't know what those were before. And they were kind of slowly bubbling under the surface. Again, that goes back to what I was saying a few minutes ago about the whole purpose um, and work conversation. And uh, through working with you and and going through those exercises and discovering what my values are in everything I do, now I feel like I'm capable of making decisions based on those values, and I feel like they're going to be much more aligned. And uh, I don't say thought through is not the right word. Um, better decisions for me. And I didn't, I didn't have that before. So I think that was a great discovery. And the other discovery would be meeting my partner who I didn't know before the pandemic started. And that has been a wonderful, wonderful discovery in addition to my life. Mm -hmm. What about you? Is there anything that... Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I was just going to say that like, I'm sure dating is hard anyways but then to date in a pandemic and to meet someone so wonderful that's Mm -hmm. pretty amazing very 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 lucky Mm -hmm. what about you have there there been any big discoveries or do you have a couple of little ones like myself yeah probably a couple of little ones um also connected to my values which was really interesting because one of my my top number one core value is freedom and at the start of the pandemic, 
I felt like that was very compromised because I was like, what? I can't travel. I can't go wherever I want, whenever I want. That's how, that's how I had kind of interpreted or, or given meaning to the word freedom. Mm. And there was a lot of resistance for me being in the pandemic. And like I said, kind of like denying the reality of it and wanting, thinking it was just going to be like a couple of weeks or one month or two months and hoping that it would just be over and done with so I could get back to being free. Yeah. <laughs> um, but through actually um, uh, a daily meditation practice that I have to thank my teacher, Hallie Schwartz, for creating at the beginning of the pandemic where she went live on Zoom every day for 108 days offering a chant. And we could do like group chanting for about 45 minutes. And in that process, um, I kind of re- was able to redefine what freedom meant for me and that I freedom was like kind of something that was always available and something I could connect to spe- like specifically through meditation where, you know, getting into that place where it's, it's not about f- physical location or physical body that there's something much deeper and more meaningful um, and and ultimately free. And it's hard to put words to that, but so it was definitely more of a, a an embodied feeling of just realizing like, yeah, I, I am free. My, my um, environment, my situation doesn't dictate where and when I'm free, that I have that capacity to turn, tune into that. And so as soon as I had that switch, that realization for me was really kind of pivotal and being able to just, yeah, not blame other things Mm. for why I was stuck. And and it's true, of course, the pandemic uh, is keeping us indoors for good reason Mm. and keeping us, you know, relatively confined again for good reason. But that that didn't have to mean that I had to wait until that wasn't a limitation to do things that I wanted to do. So, uh, you know, coming into that frame of mind, that new perspective um, gave me the space to create the Fearless Heart Method, for one, which, you know, was an idea that I had because I had been, you know, doing Fearless Heart Flow for a couple of years and the different iterations that that took. Um, But then deciding that, okay, this is really a great time to be able to birth that and, and bring that into the world. So it was a funny moment of practicing what I teach. Yeah. <laughs> because like like you said, I you know, I teach about finding different ways to live your values and and um that was quite literally like, okay, look at look at the the freedom I have to create what I want. Um and uh and let's play with that. So yeah, that was that was those are kind of tied into to big realizations and discoveries. Um I th- I'm sure there's another one, but we're going to think of a bunch of them after we finish this episode. We're going to think of a bunch after. Yeah. Yeah. It's This kind of ropes into the my next question, which is, are there any specific practices? I feel like I may be repeating, getting you to repeat the same answer, but are there any specific practices that you learned during this, this past year that you hadn't explored uh, previously, whether it be yoga related or otherwise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the gift of the pandemic was that I could like teach or that I could practice with teachers who I wouldn't have otherwise been able to because of geographic boundaries, mm. <laughs> which is so ironic because, you know, before COVID, it was like, well, you can't really take a class with this person if they live across the world. Um, 
And so now we can't go across the word physically, but we are able to still connect with them virtually. Mm. So um, one of the practices, like I mentioned, is, is that daily chanting. And I had done chanting before and had really beautiful experiences in shorter periods of time. You know, it's doing just kind of like a 10-minute chant or 20-minute after a yoga practice. And, but yeah, this this daily chanting practice was really transformative. And it committed me. So after the 108 days, I, I kept it up. I, I did it on my own time. Um, and rather than doing a different chant every day, I, I focused on one in particular and yeah, I don't know that I would have come into that. It, w- it was something I had wanted to do more of, but again, you know, the excuse of, well, oh, I don't have time to chant for 40 minutes every day. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a time commitment for sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I think for me, it was like, well, you know, realizing too that there's, we have time for the things that we deem are important and that we want to prioritize. And uh, pandemic has a great way of pointing us towards what is important mm. and how do we spend our time. Absolutely. How do we make the most of our time? So that was definitely one one experience and or one practice rather. And other practices. I did a, a little teacher training online again with Rod Stryker, who I think we've talked about on here doing a yoga nidra mm. um, essentials training, which was great to be able to to learn from him and that yoga nidra is actually a practice that I'm, I want to cultivate more of in, in a daily or more regular way. So yeah, between chanting and yoga nidra, those are some, some good learnings that I've been able to enjoy. Very, very, you? yeah. Very deep, deep practices. That's great. I, I just love yoga nidra. Um, I love your yoga nidra. I love Rod's yoga nidra. It's so good. Yeah. Rod's great. Um, you know, the first thing that came to mind when I was asking you the question um, was, and this is, I don't know if you can consider this a practice, but I guess it is, is my walking practice. I spent this year walking more or less in the same direction, doing the same walk every day that I still do on the weekends with my partner. And it has been, it was a, it was a life-saving practice for me during the first, mm-hmm. certainly the first lockdown and even into the second one as well. And obviously there's nothing terribly challenging about walking um, when we think about it, uh, you know, on a basic level, but it just brought me so much clarity. It always made me feel better. It is in so many ways a meditation and it really brought me back to my roots um, in a way. And I think that Again, something like a global pandemic can bring you back to, you know, family because you're far often you're either you're far away physically or you're just far away because you have to social distance and it makes you sort of reevaluate in so many different ways. And I don't know, I think we spoke about this in our first season, but just I reflected a lot more about my childhood, about my family, about where I come from. And again, maybe because I'm a lot further away and my parents are walkers. That's what they, they do for, for, for exercise and they do it every single day unless it, there's a massive snowstorm. But otherwise, they're out there, they're doing their walks because it's good for their health and it's good for their both physically and mentally. And I found myself doing that naturally, sort of coming back to those roots and doing that practice as well. 
And funny enough, I do most of my walks while listening to uh, a podcast in which I listen to interviews. Um, and I love interviews. I think I've mentioned this. I'd love to, mm-hmm. I wish that I had, I hope one day to be famous so that I can have like interviews by, you know, famous um famous magazines and publications and such. But I love listening to interviews for the sheer fact that I learn so much from other people. And so being able to walk and kind of clear my mind, do something great for my body that's not um, stressful or a strain on my on my joints or my muscles, which is one of the reasons why I love yoga so much because it's not that kind of hard impact um, physical activity. And listening... To and learning from others whilst, you know, being alone in my own, you know, COVID-19 safe bubble, I, I found that was really, really, really helpful. And I hope a practice that I will continue to do, you know, as the world opens up again. Isn't that so nice that something so simple is so profound? Mm -hmm. I love simplicity. I think we talked about that in our, (gasps) Yeah. yeah, the simplicity episode. It's like, you know, walking is something that we obviously, or we probably take for granted. We just, you know, go for walks and, and don't think too much about it. But then when it becomes something that is, is so um, helpful at kind of grounding you back into who you are and and clearing your mind and making your body feel good, mm-hmm. that's awesome. It's funny. I must, have been, I must have been inspired by simplicity without even before having this conversation because last night I was teaching a class on Zoom dedicated to simplicity. <laughs> that's quite funny. There you go. (laughs) What was your happiest moment? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I I have two that have come to mind. Am I allowed two? Oh, my God. You're allowed so many. Okay. However many you want. So I would say... My one of my happiest moments was when I received a green light for some much-awaited paperwork um, to be able to yes. stay in this country. That was an extremely happy moment in my life. Oh my gosh, I have so many. I mean, that's a big one. Um, oh my gosh, again, me. Please say as many that come to mind because I think we can all relish in the happiness of 2020. Yeah, you know? uh, it's easy to go into the like, oh, it was hard mm-hmm. and heavy, um, but let's celebrate the. the I real uh, ha- having the realization that I absolutely love to draw, and mm-hmm. realizing that other people liked what I drew, that was a really happy moment. Um, again, meeting my wonderful partner, very, very happy moment and being able to travel with him to the UK in the summer was so wonderful on a variety of different levels. Um, one, one thing being that we were able to actually travel and leave the country and move around (laughs) speaking of freedom and going to a country that I really love and, and have had lots of wonderful and fond memories in previously and obviously being able to share that with him was I just well, yeah one of the happiest moments of this year hands down yeah and it was interesting when you in one in our fearless heart method 
you had, no, I'm like going really, really personal, but one of the exercises that you had us do was to talk about um, a number, number of different moments and they're related to different sort of feelings. And I won't go into too much too much detail, especially if people um, hopefully listening will, will join the Fearless Heart Method one day. But one of the moments that came to mind immediately when I was doing this exercise was while I was in England meeting his whole family, which to a lot of people would seem like really scary or something that one wouldn't necessarily want to do, um, you know, uh, too soon or willingly or whatever. And I just thought it was wonderful. It was just a wonderful experience. It was so nice to be warm and welcomed. It was so nice to meet new people and have interesting conversations. And obviously being able to do that alongside of him, I felt that was definitely a highlight of my, of my year actually. Um, so there, there's three right there, I think. I could keep going, but how, how about you? How are, what about your happiest moment? Uh, one of mine, if I'm thinking like chronologically, <laughs> a really happy moment was um, the first session of the Fearless Heart Method. So there was obviously, I was, or maybe not obviously, but I was very nervous to deliver that and share that with people because it, you know, was the first time I had kind of done it in that way. But at the end of that session, I was on a, a Zoom call with some other local businesses that we, we had all received grants at the beginning of this year for our business. And we were kind of doing a little roundtable recap of, you know, what are we celebrating in business and, and how are things going? And I was like lit up <laughs> talking about the Fearless Heart Method. It was like, I, I almost cried on that call <laughs> because I was just so overjoyed with not just how it went. It wasn't a case of like, oh, wow, well, like it was, a, I did a great job presenting it. It was more the, the fact that it was something that was so deeply core and foundational to like me sharing who I am with other people and, and seeing them come into their themselves through the work as well. And I, I was just overjoyed with the fact that one that, you know, people were resonating with it and that they got a lot out of it too, that it was possible to have that level of connection and, and um, transformation online mm. because I think I had a lot of doubts mm -hmm. about like, well, we're not in person. Like, how does that, how's that going to translate? But you know, it was still very, very effective and, and meaningful. So yeah, I was really proud of myself for, for creating that and putting it out there and going through it. And then again, you know, doing it two more times this year, which was wonderful. So that felt really good. That felt like a really proud, happy moment. And another one uh, for me was getting to go to a cottage with my husband in, in August. Because um, like I said, we had been very... Um, cautious. Cautious. Thank you. That's a great word. Cautious with where we go and who we see. And um, he had coordinated it with my mom, actually, which was so sweet. Uh, because they both, you know, knew that I wanted to to spend time with family, but also get out of <laughs> the house. <laughs> so um, we went to a cottage up in Mural Gonquin Park in Ontario. And my husband and I rented a cottage and my parents rented a cottage right next door. So we were able to go up to the cottage together and have outdoor, you know, socially distant 
meals together and go for walks together. And it was, yeah, just so beautiful to be outside, to be on the lake, to be in nature, to be with them. And it was funny because, so like I said, they had, they had intended for it to be a surprise for me to say like, hey, Nicole, we're going to a cottage. But they um, they couldn't find a place because, you know, to, to rent a cottage pretty last minute in Canada in the summer is a challenge to go away for a full week. So they actually told me, they, they, they roped me in because they know how much I love to plan trips and how good I am at like sourcing venues and making things work when it sort of seems impossible so they said okay listen we want to we want to go to a cottage we you know we've been looking for a place but we just can't find something Uh, so we're bringing you in to like find this place and I found this like I said it was a cottage cottage resort so several properties um or several cottages on this property and that evening you know looking at different availability calendars doing all the google searches and I found this one place where I looked at the calendar availability and there were two cottages side by side that both had one week available at the end of August. And the rest of the calendar, the entire calendar was blocked out as booked for the next three months. And I was like, this just seems too good to be true. And they didn't have online booking. So when their other office was closed. And so my mom called them that morning and said, hey, listen, you know, we see on your website you have two cottages that are side by side and available for this week. Is that true? And the owner said, oh, no, you know what? We're, we're fully booked for the summer. And she's like, really? Because I just saw that, you know, we checked last night and it was available. And he said, well, hang on a second. And apparently someone had canceled that night those two cottages for that one week. And as luck or timing or serendipity <laughs> would have it, I happened to see it, like, basically at the moment of cancellation. And then and then we were able to book in. So that was just a beautiful, happy moment of being, one, being able to go to a cottage and two, being able to spend that time with with my family and, um, yeah, have a little break for so sure. So nice. hmm I think, actually, I'm going to add to, like, our podcast is a happy moment, like, happy throughout, you know? Mm. Like, it, it, I can't really define, like, well, there was one episode that made me so happy, yeah. but it's just happy to know that the podcast exists mm. and that people are tuning in and, you know, getting messages from people saying, wow, I listened to that episode or I love your podcast. It's been really delightful to imagine people listening in Amazing. Uh, <sighs> while they're doing their things like walking or having tea or folding laundry. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. When someone tells me that they were listening to it, I just, yeah, I, I totally light up. I can't, I just can't imagine that someone would be listening to us having a conversation, which we have every day. Sometimes it's recorded and sometimes it's not. What would you say the biggest, oh no, actually I have a better, I have one more question before we get to the the, the, the finale question. What was your favorite? And I'm, I'm quite scared to ask you this because I know what your repertoire of um, television shows looks like, <laughs> but I would like you to tell everybody who is listening what your favorite Netflix show is. And what were you watching that brought you so much joy during this past year? The Great British. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Which, if you know me, you know I don't cook. <laughs> and I can bake. I don't, I, just, I don't love being in a kitchen. And I've never been one to like cooking shows because it always stresses me out. I think I equated cooking shows with like Gordon Ramsay style Hell's Kitchen. Mm which is just awful. And so I always kind of like turned away from them. And for whatever reason, 
I was like, all right, you know, scraping. I thought I was scraping the bottom of the barrel as far as TV goes because, yeah, I can I can do a Netflix binge like no other. And I was like, all right, let's just see what the fuss is all about. And I actually started with the Canadian one, which was interesting. And I'm like, yeah, this is nice. This is nice. And then I, I was watching. It was like the first episode. And I was like crying in the finale because like you see people who are like, doing their passion. You know, these are Mm. bakers who are, they're home bakers, so they're not professional, but they just do it because they love it. And they're pouring hours and hours and hours of time and dedication and focus into this. And they're so, they're so proud when they do well, you know, they get star baker and they cry. And then they're so sad when they get eliminated because they're disappointed that they can't, you know, continue on. And I feel like the great British, so again, watched all of the Canadian seasons I'm I'm one season away from finishing the British one and if anyone I'm not going to count and tell you how many seasons I watched (laughs) but you can do the math (laughs) um but it really felt therapeutic for me to to watch that and like cry with them and like that felt really good to just like be happy when they were happy and be sad when they were sad it kind of was really cathartic like I really released a lot and got a lot out of watching baking shows, which is so funny to me. <laughs> so funny. Because <laughs> it's so not normally what I'd be into, but it was it was like a beautiful gift every episode. <laughs> so hilarious. Did you learn anything? Do you feel like, does it make you want to go into the kitchen? No, not at all. <laughs> I have zero interest there was one time, actually, before we went to the cottage. Oh, I love uh, They made digestive <laughs> cookies. And I was like, oh, and I caught a glimpse of the recipe, like, on the screen. And I screenshotted it. And I was like, I'm going to try to make digestives because we wanted to make s'mores up at the cottage. So I'm like, I'm going to try to make digestives. I'm going to veganize them. It's going to be great. They were disgusting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think I have learned some things. We got a bread maker, mm-hmm. so I know things about, like, proving dough and kneading. But, yeah, no, I have zero interest in—there's no—it hasn't inspired me to bake. Yeah. It inspires you to try and, and, and connect yourself with people who want to find or practice their passion and purpose, and that's essentially what you do, which is why it probably touches you so much. Oh, my God, I never thought about Seriously? that. Seriously? Nicole, it's exactly what you You're blowing like. my mind. <laughs> oh my God. So I have to edit my answer. My biggest realization of 2020 was the reason why, <laughs> why I love the baking show. Oh my gosh. You're so right though. Yeah. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> Did your mind just explode? Yeah. My mind just exploded. My mind just exploded, but it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tell me what what is your favorite? Well, I don't think I Netflix don't think show. anything I say is going to be any surprise to anybody who knows me listening to this right now. I mean, it didn't start this year, but I mean, The Crown was a big part of my life uh, in 2020, <laughs> and so was any British historical period drama on Netflix. I've seen them all multiple times over. Um, 
And I honestly, ones that I've watched, like I'm a huge Peaky Blinders fan. I'm a huge pulled. I'm like really, I'm really giving out the dirt now. I'm a huge Poldark fan. If Downton Abbey was on Netflix, I would watch it religiously. I literally have these shows on just to keep me company during the day when I'm at home because I love the atmosphere. I love the clothing. I love, I just love it all. I just think it's so wonderful. Um, I was so sad when, even though it's not a television program, but a film, I was so sad when Pride and Prejudice was taken off my Netflix because I have seen Pride and Prejudice so many times and I keep it on in the background when I'm drawing or when I'm doing things around the house because it brings me so much joy and comfort. And I'm sure that that's not surprising to you at all, is it? No, but it's so sweet. And now I'm also realizing, and now you're with a British <laughs> partner is British. And there you go. There you go. Full circle. <laughs> you have someone to talk, someone to talk back to you. <laughs> Exactly. I don't have to be friends with Lady Mary anymore. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Were there any surprises for you? I think this is our, our last question. Yeah. What surprised you or biggest surprise of 2020? So my biggest surprise of 2020 was in all, it was actually really great year which I feel really mm. strange saying because it was extremely challenging at times however I feel and I was saying this to someone the other day I feel that though in so many ways life felt like it went on hold for obviously a variety of reasons and, and for everybody but in, to different degrees I feel like I've grown so much and what a nice feeling to know that you've grown as a person and in the end actually had a really, you know, purposeful and interesting year. So that was a, that's a huge, huge surprise to me because I would say once, you know, again, not maybe January and February, but sort of end of February, March, uh, you know, of this year, I definitely don't think I could have said that um, out loud. I was, I was not in the same place. And a variety of, of exterior factors obviously affected affected what I'm saying, but also I grew a lot just as a as a person um, internally, and that was partly through all of the help that you give me um, in our you know in our conversations that we have pretty much daily, through Fearless Heart Method, through you know such a a, a plethora of of conversations and and time that I've spent reflecting and working on myself and. Um, yeah, I would actually say 2020 was kind of a cool year. Cool is not a One great for word, the is it? But you know, sure. you know what I'm trying to say. I do. An awesome year. I wouldn't say awesome, but awesome. awesome. What about you? Do you have any? Did you have any really big surprises that come up for you? Yeah, one that comes up for me is actually in in my business. And in joining a business community that I absolutely love, you know, I've been working for myself for two years now. And it's funny because at the beginning of this year, this, this year was the first year that I had done like a formal business plan. Previous years, it's just been kind of like, well, let's see how this goes or let me try that. Being kind of like flowy and intuitive with it, which 
I definitely still have elements of. Um, but it was funny because when I did that business plan at the beginning of the year, obviously all of the things that were in that plan um, radically shifted. The fearless heart method wasn't in that plan. I had retreats in that plan that didn't happen. I had teacher trainings in that plan that didn't happen. And I think were it not for the pandemic, I don't know that I would have been as dedicated to really wanting to grow my business in a way that I felt really supported rather than in a way that I, I always sort of thought entrepreneurship meant like, you know, you have to have the business plan and the marketing plan and, and follow these three steps to get success. But I've, you know, found a, a business community through Hello7, which I don't think I've talked about on here, but um, joining that community in the summer and learning about business in a way that's really embodied and in a way that's uh, really empowering and intuitive, but also strategic. Um, I've just loved that. I, I didn't think I would love the the business side of it so much. You know, I'm I'm not a math person by any means, so I think I avoided numbers for a while. But again, feeling much more empowered and connected to like what those numbers can mean for me and for my business, and getting curious about that. So it's been nice to. It's been a big shift, similar to what you're saying. Like the growth around that is really that opportunity to like challenge all of the ways I thought I, I had to do business or all the ways that I thought I would do business or things that I thought I couldn't do, you know, beliefs I had about what I could and couldn't do and being being in this community uh, and growing my business alongside so many other amazing entrepreneurs from around the world has been a really big surprise for me and the one that I'm so grateful for. So yeah, that's, that's, I'm really proud about where that has taken me and where I'm kind of, yeah, going with it. So it, when you said two years, mm -hmm. I feel like you have been an entrepreneur for like a decade and how much <laughs> you've, you know, really about like how much you've, you've grown and how comfortable to the outside world that you seem in, in doing what you do. Um, seems like you've been doing it a lot longer than two years that's for sure oh, cool yeah I mean I, again I think were it not for being able to to lean into the support and and get the encouragement and the knowledge and the experience from other people because I think previously I, I would have been trying to do most of it by myself mm. but this year has definitely been like no I actually I don't have to figure it out all by myself and it's much better if I'm informed by people who've done it before and who I can learn from. Like you were saying, listening to podcasts, like being able to listen to other entrepreneurs and what their journeys are like and, you know, what they did when they started versus what they're doing now and how they experienced success and what lessons they had. All of that has been so, so helpful and a really big surprise at how much I value that. You know, what's coming to mind as we sort of wrap up is just how, and I think a lot of people would agree with what I'm about to say. This year brought to light the just incredible importance that connection has in our life. Mm -hmm. And as much as we, you know, if some people like to be alone more than others, some people like to be social more than others, some people like to, uh, you know, ask for help a little bit easier than others, whatever, um, you know, whatever that may be. But 
we're, we, we, we need connection uh, as humans. And I think that in so many ways, that's why we've even created this podcast because connection with our listeners is so important. Connection through the yoga community has been, you know, monumental in, in our growth personally for both you and I. And you don't have to go it alone. I mean, there's just so many different ways that you can rely on others for help and support and encouragement. And it doesn't have to look one certain way and you don't have to do it on your own. And I think you and I probably both learned this year, as you just mentioned, how much the people in your in your life, in your community, whether virtually or otherwise, um, can be, you know, hugely supportive and instrumental in, in our growth and and how we live our lives. It's just, I, I mean, I already, I already knew that I loved being with people, but this year has, you know, put the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So well said. Thank you, Steph. Thank you. That was fun. It was fun. Fun trip down memory lane. <laughs> and I think too, what we'll do is in the description for this episode we'll write out these reflection questions so that anyone listening if you want to do your own reflection on 2020 um and yeah think about what you learned what you were challenged by what you were surprised by those happy moments i think it's a worthy exercise to kind of wrap up the year wonderful thanks so much nicole thanks everyone for listening thanks everyone happy new year happy new year